Amen to that. In the blood of the Lamb is our victory. Thank you for not just singing, but singing with passion and conviction. The, um, I'm just so amazed at how God has set the stage uh, through worship and praise for His Word now to be proclaimed. Um, because I'm going to talk about the kingdom, going to talk about Satan, going to talk about His fury, going to talk about kingdom territory has even taken place this morning in Matthew chapter 6. Um, before I read that passage, just a reminder that in two weeks from now, we will have our traditional Thanksgiving share service, and that's when our church family specifically sets aside one service, one Sunday, as an opportunity for everyone in the congregation, um, or at least as many as we can fit, to proclaim thanks to God, to exalt God by saying, Lord, this is what you've done in my life, and I'm grateful for it, and to edify one another by sharing the incredible God uh, with one another. So that's what we're going to do. And uh, appreciate if you have not contacted me and you're stirred to share, if you would do so. We've got two Sundays and there's, um, we'll do our very best to fit everybody in to give thanks. But we, are, we have been for the last several weeks uh, immersed in God's Word and the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. They've asked him, teach us how to pray. They know how to pray. They've prayed before, probably all of their lives. And yet Jesus comes along and they see, maybe I don't know how to pray or I don't know how to pray effectively. And so this is a teaching prayer that Jesus is offering his disciples. And we are very, very blessed to have this prayer, God's word preserved through the ages so that we can Embrace it this morning in the family of God. Today we're going to consider verse 10 in chapter 6. Jesus says for us to pray, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And these are petitions. To God, This is something we are asking God to bring about or to do. And so if we're going to ask God to do this, we want to know exactly what it is we're asking God to do when we pray this. And in, this, in essence, what we're doing is saying, God, based on who you are, based on your hallowed name, we are asking you to, to bring it. Bring yourself, bring your holiness, your glory, your power, your mercy, your love, the very character and essence of who you are, everything that you have to offer. Bring it to us, God. We pray. And when we pray, bring it. We are asking for God to bring his his kingdom. God has a kingdom, a literal kingdom. It's not on our physical map. It's not on your, your GPS app, your Google map, on your phone. Siri, find God's kingdom. will not bring you to that place, but it is a literal sphere. It is territory that God has in reality. One of, my, one of the highlights of my childhood growing up was that I got to go with our family on a va- family vacation to Florida and visit the magic kingdom and the magic kingdom um, was incredible created by Walt Disney 
and created for all things kids, or everything that would attract a child, would uh, enthrall a child, was there. And so I was there and I got to see the characters that I'd watched on cartoons, on TV, and watched at the movie theater when I was a child. I got to hear the songs of the records that I bought that they would sell because I loved the movies so much. You know, we are Siamese, if you please, and that kind of stuff. And it just gets in your head and you're, you're saturated with it. So I'm in this kingdom and it has the, the, the characters I'm familiar with and love. It has parades, music. It has fireworks and shows, entertainment of, of all kinds. It has rides. It has um, laughter. It has even foods, exotic foods, unique foods and juices and drinks, things that you, you couldn't get in my little hometown. It was just very, very unique and it was literally like being lifted out of this world and, and put into another world. And I just ate it up. I loved it. Loved it. And when it came time to go home, I did not want to go home. I thought I'd found my home. This has got to be home. It can't get any better than this. And literally, it was its own little kingdom designed to have that effect. And it even had its own castle that you could tour. Absolutely fascinating. Did not want to leave. Well, God is the creator of his kingdom. And in his kingdom is everything that appeals to God, everything that draws out this love or this desire, everything that magnifies or exalts or proclaims and adores God in this kingdom. It's a real kingdom. It's a, it's a self-sufficient kingdom. It's a governed kingdom. It has place and, and purpose. And the kingdom is in heaven primarily. And as we will learn this morning, in part on earth. And we're asking God to bring this, this realm, this real place that he is king of down here more and more and more in this place of brokenness, this place of imperfection, this place that is under the fury of the evil one because he knows his fate. That's what we're asking God to bring down. To us. And we're asking that because, as you know, as a result of the fall, the kingdom of God was in part removed. When man rebelled against God, he had the presence of God in full. God can't live in the presence of sin. And so, in part, he removes himself from the garden. He and his, his kingdom realm and rule. And so now we are in on a territory that has some of God's kingdom. God blesses us with mercy and grace. It rains on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. But we also have a kingdom of evil. We have both of these things. And so what we want as believers is we want as much of the kingdom of good as we can get in this broken place. And so we are praying for this every day until it comes in full or until we get to go up to the kingdom. The scripture says that the kingdom is here. And we sang about it in some of our worship songs this morning. It is here. It is a fact the kingdom is here in part. 
Scripture also teaches the kingdom is coming. It's here, but it's still coming. And Scripture also teaches that the kingdom will come in its fullness in the final time that God appoints. So all of these three things are true concurrently. So how does all this work? And if God is here and His kingdom is here and He's so good and He's so powerful, then why do we have to confront or struggle with so much evil externally as well as internally? Well, there's a very uh, influential church father who lived approximately 300 years after Christ was born and ministered. He was a church father in North Africa. Uh, You may know of him as um, Augustine. And he was a very influential theologian and philosopher. And we are still to this very day as the church influenced by his teachings. Perhaps you know him by this quote that has been spoken many times in this church. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. That's Augustine. Uh, You may not know him so much for this quote that he also spoke. Give me chastity and continence, but not yet. When he was struggling to convert to Christianity... But he had quite a love life going on. And so he's saying, I want you. I want to be pure, but not quite yet. I'm still holding on. But that not yet came. And he gave his life and his mind and all he was to Christ. And he wrote a book and he said, as you study scripture, you see two kingdoms emerge. He called it the city of man and the city of God or the kingdom of man and the kingdom of of God, these two kingdoms. And he says in each of these two kingdoms, they have their own ruler. They have their own people. These kingdoms have their own desires. And they have their own destinies. The ruler of the kingdom of God, God's kingdom, of course, you know because we've been in Matthew in the early chapters, is Jesus Christ, God the Son. He is the king of this kingdom and God sent him into this world. And that's why he had his own star and that's why the Magi came from afar to worship him. And that's why the angels lit up the sky and spoke to the people. Hey, your Savior is here in the world. He's born in that manger. Go and worship him. Bow down to him. Bring your offerings. Bring your gifts. The king is here. And it was announced and it was proclaimed that Christ is the king of this kingdom. And who are the people of this kingdom? They are the people that by grace through faith embrace Christ as king. Recognize they need him as a savior of their sins. Recognize the evilness that is in them and their rebellion against God. And say, no, I want to be transformed or transferred from the the realm of darkness into the realm of light. I'm done with evil to the best of my ability. And by God's grace, I want to embrace this kingdom, the king and all that he stands for. And so you have the ruler and you have the people and then you have the desires in this kingdom. The desire of the kingdom of God is to love and glorify God. That's the, that's the, the desire that ushes out, uh, gushes out of the wills of the beings that are in this kingdom. I just want to love and glorify God, love and glorify God. It's written everywhere. And that's the desire that all things will go to God. And the destination is that this kingdom of God will come 
And it will completely take over all other things, all, all other competition. And it will rule on earth as it rules in heaven. You also have the other kingdom that currently exists and is in exact opposition to the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of man or <clears throat> kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of evil, who is the ruler, of course, but Satan the devil, who are the people, those that have rebelled against God, those that say no thanks to God, those that are the subjects of the enemy and are still enslaved to his kingdom desires. His, the, the desire, the predominant desire in this kingdom is love of self. All things self at the expense of the true creator. So I, as we were singing that last song of worthy, worthy are you, Lord. I was just thinking about my own conversion and how I was preoccupied with self before Christ. I just couldn't wait to get on to the next thing in my agenda of the plan for my life. And now I'm occupied by the presence of God, the Spirit of God. And though there's still struggles there, being occupied with God means that I'm constantly, by the grace of God, being drawn back to Him and away from those things. Those of the kingdom of darkness are preoccupied with self. They're just waiting for the next thing to happen. What is the destination of this kingdom but defeat? And utter and absolute failure. It's already written. It's already determined. It's already foreordained. These are the two kingdoms that we live in. We're, we're a part of one way or another. This is our reality and we see it. We experience the existence of these two kingdoms in our lives as they war and battle. We experience them in here and we experience them out there. One is the essence of evil and one is the essence of good. That's why in our world on any given day you can find humanity at their absolute lowest. You can read a headline or read a story about something evil somebody did and you think to yourself, how could you even think of something like that so evil? How could you find it in yourself to, to, to do that or to treat people in this kind of way? And then you can turn the page and read something else that just humbles you because you think to yourself, wow. What, what an incredible act of, of uh, heroic act of goodness, godliness, self-sacrifice, putting yourself in harm's way. H how do you have that in you to do something so incredibly good? We, we're constantly faced with these kind of extremes in our society. Yeah, you, so you read, you read the stories about human trafficking. I mean, Humans selling other humans, humans using other humans as sex slaves. Then you read stories about those that go and rescue them. Those that go and buy them back and redeem them and, and bring the slaves back into their home and set them free and give them whatever they need to live their lives again. You have good and evil. Until Jesus returns, it's going to be like that. And he tells us it's going to be like that. We're in the world, not of 
the world. It's a battle of the kingdoms and it's a battle over the souls of men. These two kingdoms that exist. And because it's a reality, it means the reality of for us today means that we are either in one kingdom or the other this very second. What kingdom are you in? Where is your heart drawn? What is your desire? What are you preoccupied with? How do we get on God's side, so to speak? Well, the king came in Matthew chapter 4, I believe in verse 19, with this very clear message when he began his ministry. Repent. Why? The kingdom of God is at hand. Your time is limited. God's doing his thing. Repent. Place your faith. Renounce your sin. Renounce your sin. If you want to know what it means to renounce sin, come to Sunday school next Sunday. Putting pressure on you, Sam. He's going to talk about renouncing sin. Went to a baptism this uh, yesterday to see my nephew's son baptized in the Catholic Church. Very symbolic. Very, some of it is very powerful. But the parents had to renew their vows of faith. Do you renounce Satan? Do you renounce sin? And you come into the kingdom of light by renouncing the darkness and saying, no, I live. I'm giving my life everything I am. He's my savior. I'm doomed without him and I'm going to live for him. My life has purpose and meaning. We repent and we believe to be transferred. But for now, Satan, whose destiny is failure, and yes, he's furious about it. He will spread his darkness to whoever will embrace it in whatever form or degree they will. He'll spread it to try to maintain whatever power he can. And so we see it visibly, but it is even more powerful in the invisible realms that we do not see in the principalities. The souls of men are battled after. So that's the world that we live in. Justice and injustice. Abuse and love. Hatred and kindness, grace, mercy. There are two kingdoms, and in order for one to keep coming, the other has to keep going. When we pray that, we want to keep that in mind. We're asking God to bring His kingdom. That means the other kingdom's got to go, and it's got to keep on going. Can't stop here. We want God's kingdom to keep coming. Don't stop it here. Don't stop it here. Lord, bring it. Bring it. The king and his kingdom. Well, we know that the king of the kingdom, of course, is Jesus Christ. And when he came, what did he do? He began to dispel the darkness. He began to remove the curse of the fall. And so John, 1 John 3.18, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. He's, he's, uh, he's the imposter. Posing himself as a false savior. Making false promises that you can have everything you ever desired and appealing to the evil of man. And Jesus came to dispel that. What kind of king was he? Did he, did he do his job well? Well, like a pro. And that's why we read in Matthew 4, we already read it. Now that he's all grown up, he's not the king in the manger. He's grown up, he started his ministry, and he has been anointed by the Spirit to begin his ministry. That means he's been empowered. 
And so he goes, 423, throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. He's undoing it. So where there's darkness and lies, he's just bringing truth. He's bringing truth. This is reality. And where there's brokenness, he's bringing wholeness. This is how my kingdom works. This is the power I have. It's what I'm all about. Goodness. And then in Matthew 12, 28, But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Evidence that the kingdom and the king is here. And he literally is establishing and rooting and grounding his kingdom upon this earth. Even as we speak, he is restoring. Let me just say that what we've witnessed here this morning is kingdom-occupied territory. Why do you say that? Because look, you have people coming to lead us in praise and worship, to serve us in the sound, and then to people coming and using the oxygen that they're breathing, not just to stay alive, but using it to utter praises to God. And you sang loudly this morning. It sounded awesome from up here. That's kingdom-occupied territory. People are giving their lives. They're using their energy. They're using the gifts that God has given them to bring glory to Him and exalt Him. Already we've seen it in this place. And it happens because Christ is King. It happens because He is dispelling darkness. You don't have young people come up like this unless there's work behind the scenes from mom and dad that are laboring for Christ so that the kingdom will come. Christ is king and the kingdom of God is upon us. So you say, I'm pumped, I'm excited. So how can we get God's kingdom here even more? What can we do? Well, the first thing we can do, Jesus is telling us in this prayer, is pray. But I want to do more than that. I want to step out. And, well, that's next. But first thing Jesus says is pray for it to come. Why, why is praying such a, a, a powerful thing? Because the king's already there. He's already established. The kingdom's already here. We don't have to establish it. He's done that. We're basically cheering him on. We're praising him on. He is the most heroic of the kingdom. He, he's the hero. He's the savior. He's the one that has all the power. So we're, we're praising him and cheering him on. We're praying. Yes, bring who you are here in my heart, in my brothers and sisters' hearts, in their family, and into this world day by day, soul by soul. Now, there have been attempts uh, for the church to bring God's kingdom before it was time. And they have been disastrous attempts. There have been military attempts where we say, wait a minute, there's where all the evils left in the world. Let's just go conquer it and be done with it. And God's kingdom will be here. There have been evangelism attempts and there have been um, little religious society attempts. Well, let's push all the evil out there and keep our little holy group right here. And then God's kingdom will come. And they've all failed. Not that efforts don't count, but the kingdom is God's and there's a specific time that he's going to bring it. And uh, no matter what we do or don't do. When Christ came in to rule and reign as king, it wasn't because of something great man did. It's because man is in sin and needs the savior. 
With or without you, thank you very much. He is the king of the kingdom and he's going to have his way. Whether you're on fire for God or not. Now, it helps to be on fire for God. The kingdom is established by the king. And humor, human effort isn't what makes or breaks it. It has a specific time, but it's all by kingdom powers. That's why it's a miracle. Not our powers. But a second thing we can do as we acknowledge and proclaim him and cheer the king on is say, how can I join you, king? How can I join you in your majestic work, your noble work of restoration? And when you read scripture, you find that the main thing that believers are asked to do is to proclaim Christ. You proclaim the truth and you live it. You believe it. Because you believe it, you proclaim it. And because you proclaim it, you, you live that message out in sincerity. And that's our task. That's how we can join the king in bringing forth light in the darkness. Proclaim it to each other. Uh, proclaim it through song. Proclaim it on ink. Proclaim it on the streets. Proclaim it in our homes. Proclaim it in this church. Proclaim the good news that the king is here. Salvation has come. That's why Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God. So we are telling people, listen, there are two kingdoms and one of them is doomed. The other one's going to take over. Which one do you want to live in? It's just the truth. And I'm, I'm sharing this with you because I love you and I care about you. It's a reality. And I'm praying God will open your eyes to it. That's how we plant seeds. That's how souls are one. So that's our main work. Speak it and then we show it. And we live in such a way that our lives say this. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. That's why I think the way I do. I, that's why I organize my life the way I do. It's, it's just because Jesus is Lord. It's what my, my life message is. And it's takes place here in, in our hearts. Jesus is Lord over me. That's how we enter into the kingdom. It's how we stay in it. It's how we live in it. Uh, Spiros Zodiades says, No other person, no power, no position, no possession should be allowed to rule in our heart. God must be the absolute and uncontested sovereign. For it is imperative that his kingdom come in our hearts before it can come to rule in the world at large. Heaven must be in us before we can be in heaven. God's kingdom must be in us before we can be in God's kingdom. It must begin in our hearts. And that's how the kingdom expands. That's how you get it. You open your heart to the ways and person of Christ. And you just give him more and more of yourself. More and more of your time. More and more of your passions and your affections. And that... That the kingdom of heaven territory is being occupied. And more and more of renouncing evil, renouncing sin, renouncing Satan. And it is a lifetime. It is a lifetime of work. But it is that constant Matthew 6.33. Seek first his kingdom. First his righteousness. And these all, all these other things will be added unto you. It's that battle every day. And then another way 
that we can join the king in his plan by, obviously, is investing in kingdom ministry. It's investing. Yes, I believe that you're establishing your kingdom. And when I see that happening, territory being occupied, I want to use all the resources I have to promote that. Whatever you've given me. Obviously, the resources we have been given by God are not just for self-serving purposes. He, he gives us resources so that we can offer them for the kingdom's sake, to promote ministry, to promote missionaries, to promote the gospel to be claimed, the gospel be, to be taught, the gospel to be lived, and the lost to be saved. And so it's a personal investment. And God, you know, the scripture says, think big. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation will worship me. Think big with your resources. Don't think small so that all will come home to God. It's, it's, a, it's an influence. We're praying uh, not that the kingdom would come into existence. It's already in existence. But the kingdom would grow in dominance. Dominance in our own hearts. Dominance in the world. So that's our Father's kingdom that we are petitioning, Jesus says. Bring it, God. But the other is, we're petitioning God, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a third petition, all centered around God. Well, what is a will? Well, you have one, I have one. And it's very active this morning. It's very active all the time. It is our, it's, it's what we want. It's the things that our heart wants. It's, it's the plan for our life. It's our desires. It's how we want our life to go. The things that we want to happen, it's our desires. <clears throat> Purpose plan. We talk today about a last will and testament and somebody puts in a legal document Whatever resources I have left, whatever influence I have left, this is how I want it to be used. I put it in writing, I sign my name, and I'm expecting you to honor this and respect this. That's my will. It's what I want to see. Written in our hearts are plans, our purposes, things that we want to happen for us. Desires that we want and are working hard to have fulfilled. And we often think... The problem with this world is that you're in standing in the way of my will. Because you're keeping me from getting what my heart wants. When really the big problem of the world is that we are standing in the way of God's will. God has a will. He's a big God. And he's got a big will. If you think your will is strong, you talk about the strong-willed child. Who's going to win in the end? And that's the dilemma. And the only way that this problem can be solved of, of rebel wills is that one will will rule them all. Just like in the Lord of the Rings, one ring will rule them all. One will will rule them all. The other wills will come up into subjection to it gladly, willingly, lovingly. And that's when you have the peace and the harmony of the kingdom of God, but our wills are at war. Our desires, what we want, there's a battle for it. The uh, the the uh, tough apostle Peter in First Peter two eleven says, I, "I urge you as 
aliens and strangers in this world. To abstain from the sinful desires that war against your soul. And you would hear those words written and you'd be like, yeah, Peter, you're right. It's warring. It's a battle. It's raging. And that's what this prayer is all about. God, here's what I'm asking you to do that, that help me surrender my will to yours. That's how thy will will be done instead of my will. There was a um, young Christian lady by the name of Betty Scott Stam, who was anxious to do God's will, was a fervent believer. She penned these words. Lord, I give up all my own plans and purposes, all my own desires and hopes, and I accept your will for my life. I give myself, my life, my all utterly to you to be yours forever. Fill me and seal me with your Holy Spirit. Use me how you will. Send me where you will and work out your whole will in my life at any cost, now and forever. And what became of that lady that wrote those words? She married and she and her husband John became missionaries to China. They were captured by communists, stripped half naked. Marched in chains through the streets. And she was forced to watch as her husband was beheaded. And then she was beheaded. Work out your whole will in my life at any cost. Now and forever. Prayer answered. Makes me wonder how many times do we pray Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my life. I surrender it to you. And then something happens in our lives and we're like, this can't be your will, God. You wouldn't want me to suffer. (laughs) Remember, we're tight. I'm having my devotions five days a week now. How many times do we pray it and yet our will is still in opposition? How many answered prayers has God blessed us with and we didn't even know it? We thought it wasn't him and his kingdom. And it was God and his kingdom surrendering us, blessing us, freeing us from being preoccupied with the love of self. How can we pray this if we're if we're going to deny the promptings? How many times have we been prompted by the Holy Spirit to do something and we talked ourselves out of it? Because it was too hard and surely. The God of heaven wouldn't ask me, his subject, to do something too difficult that would knock me out of his com- my comfort zone. Jesus says, thy will be done. Well, there's a place that God's will is currently being done quite well. The example, what we're asking for is, I want your, your will to be done here like it is up there. What's happening up there that Jesus would say, hey guys, down here, pray that God's will would be done down here like what's happened up there. Something's happening up there in God's kingdom. God's will is being done. 
as described in Psalm 103, 19 through 21, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. One of the things that makes it so grand and appealing is that every creature up there is doing the will of God. Exactly as it is written. And they want to do it. These are powerful ministry taking place in the heavens. The desires of God are being fulfilled. Angels are his best servants. That workforce. Uh, that workforce comprised of these these uh, stalwart creatures that were created to glorify him in this way and bid his will and anticipate his every word. Can't wait to serve the master. No matter what he says, just let a word fall off your lips and it shall be done. There are no, no slackers in heaven right now. There's no wishy-washiness. There's no confusion about what's right and wrong. They're not up there demanding better conditions. They're not asking for pay raises. They're not taking too long and procrastinating at the coffee machine or the snack place. They're not calling in sick and wanting more vacation time. They just want God's will. That's why they live. That's why they exist. And that's what they do. And they thrive off of it. They can carry out each command very quickly, completely, and joyfully. Because it's a picture of surrender. And that's what we're asking for. For ourselves and for our church when we pray this prayer. It's that kind of dedication and joy. When we uh, ask to put God like this first and pray this many times. I think if we were honest... We would find ourselves really asking God to do our will more than we're saying, God, I want your will to be done. It just creeps in. Love of self just creeps in. And we want to really bend God to our desires. You can even form a whole theology around it. Be very sneaky about it and fill... Just, just come up with a whole theology with scripture to back getting your way. Like, for instance, the name it, claim it group. I just want to be rich. I don't want to suffer. And God, that's why you exist. So, that's what the will I want in my life. And that's not bending. So it's embracing God's will. What is prayer really, really about then if we're going to pray this prayer? Well, it's not about changing God. It's about changing us. Praying in such a way that we recognize that we want to be changed. That we want to obey God and honor Him. What good does it do to pray that God will fix the world when we refuse to be fixed? Ourselves. Of course, there's only one man that truly obeyed, completely obeyed the will of God, and that was Christ. 
And obeying God down to the very last T meant suffering and dying and giving his life. How do we get to this point of surrender? Well, obviously, first, we've got to give our lives to Christ. We've got to make that first decision of repentance. You can't get into to heaven if heaven is not first in you. And that's salvation, submitting our will to Christ. And then we, what do we do after that? Well, we constantly submit our wills to Christ. Philip Ryken says our wills must hand God our letter of resignation. Give it to here, God. Oh, take it back. Hand God our letter of resignation, willing to submit to God in everything. Why everything? Because if there's one thing that's not submitted, are we submitted? Or are we selectively submitting? Is there such a thing as selective submission? Everything. Because otherwise, we're just only submitting to the things that, well, our wills really want to submit to anyway. For whosoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and mother. Matthew twelve fifty. Jesus says. I like this prayer as we wind down here. Um, can't even pronounce the guy's name. Jean something French, Pierre something, uh, but in the 1600s. He says, Lord, forgive me, divine love, for not having yet understood what it means to let your will be done. I've been through all of your galleries and admired all your paintings, but I have not yet surrendered myself sufficiently to be worthy to receive the strokes of your brush. I will devote myself exclusively to the duty of the present moment to love you, to fulfill my obligations, and to let your will be done. What is God saying to us this morning? What's the Holy Spirit? What's the kingdom of heaven proclaiming in our hearts? Is there an area that God is pointing out that is not indeed surrendered? Is there an area where there is blatant resistance, procrastination? Is God calling us to make a confession to him? Is God calling us to obey him in an area that we have been avoiding him in? Ministry, missions, reconciliation in a marriage or a family or friendship. When God speaks clearly, we either obey or we disobey. We either warm our hearts up and say, yes, God, that's the kingdom I want. I want good. Or we harden our hearts to evil. I'm going to close with this prayer by John Wesley. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you, exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. To God be the glory.
And may God bless the preaching of his word.